My dove bar today said, uh, keep looking forward, new adventures lie ahead. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm looking forward. Yeah, they're like, they're like uh, 20th century fortune cookies. They're chocolate in them, though, instead of those terrible cardboard cookies. So it's always good. Just keep that there. Today is, uh, I'm going to share a little bit, I think, you know, about getting your affairs in order. Now, nothing bad's going to happen to you when you leave. That usually is the thing that, that goes on. But I, I, was in a, I was in a meeting this morning, and uh, I still work in the school corporation as far as golf coach, and so I had, I had a meeting in there, and I was, we were doing a, co- it's a monthly coaches meeting, and when we were in there, he kind of goes through the state of affairs for the athletic office there at Harrison and some different things, and there's a person that's in the Harrison community that uh, is dying of cancer, and uh, he's a nice guy, great guy, uh, but you know, the, our AD just started sharing about where he is right now, and they found a couple more tumors. He, 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 had, he had fought and battled and thought he won, you know, a year ago, and then this thing has come back in his life and wrecked havoc, and they said, you know, he's, he was up there on Saturday, and they had the, the priest come in and do last rites and all those kind of things, and, you know, he said he's got his affairs in order, and he's, you know, doing some things here at the end that he, that he you know, maybe wished he would have, you know, done before, those kind of things, and I it really hit me, you know, why is it that in, in the end of our life, that's the time when we take stock and try to determine if we've done the things that we feel like God's told us to do. Nobody on that deathbed in that last moment wishes, you know, that they could have gone to work for a few more hours. You've heard Pastor Bill share that plenty. You know, nobody was saying, dang, I wish I would have had another meeting. You know, everybody says, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids, or I wish I would have, you know, done this with my wife, or I wish I would have listened to the things that God spoke and put in my heart. And what do you tell, you know, your, your loved ones at that time? Listen to your heart, follow your heart, follow your dreams. You begin to pour those things out. And God really began to speak to me through the morning and, and into the afternoon, really about this idea of getting your affairs in order. And, and what are your priorities in your life? This is not a, a scary message, but none of us are really, you know, guaranteed. We're guaranteed everlasting life with Christ, but we're not guaranteed a life in this earth tomorrow. You know, and, and, and the enemy's out there to steal, kill, and to destroy. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like me. And, and, and so we're in a battle, a spiritual battle, and it is warfare. And, and not that we're going to sit down tonight and write a will or do any of those kind of things. That's not what we're talking about. Really what I'm talking about and what God put in my heart was my priorities have to be in order if I'm going to live my life. See, if somebody on their deathbed could, could all of a sudden, they pour all this stuff out, and then all of a sudden, miraculously, they're healed, many times they live their life completely different because now they've got this idea that, you know what, I wasn't doing it before, and now I really need to do it. Like, I, I was, man, I, was, I, I faced the end, and it was almost over, but I've got a second chance, and now all of a sudden, that's like salvation, isn't it? I mean, we were all truly there in our lives. If you're saved today, we were all truly there at some point in our life. Spiritually, we said, I've been going the wrong way. Things are terrible. Everything. Now, all of a sudden, everything's brand new. And your priorities should say that as well. And then as believers, I think many times we leave that experience and we walk down the road and our priorities were the Word of God and learning about Christ and sharing our faith and, and coming to church and worshiping and praising the Lord and, and just having everything that He had for us. And then all of a sudden, things get better in our lives and things are going okay. And all of a sudden, you know, all of these old problems, they kind of gone now and God's restored into my life and I, I'm, I'm headed in the right direction. And all of a sudden, I start thinking, man, I got it good. 
and I stop going to church, and I buy a boat, and I don't come to service. You know, I mean, it's all those kind of things that you've heard before. We've had a lot of people come through BBI, Victory Bible Institute, here in this church. Their lives dramatically changed. They're, man, they're on fire serving God, doing everything that he's called them to do. Man, they're just like every day a new creature, man. Every time they come out of class, they're just like their eyes are spinning. they got a different look about them. And, and, and it's like that for a whole year, year and a half, man. I mean, it's just like, like they're aliens, you know. I mean, they're just all of a sudden they're just getting all they can of the word of God. They're coming to church on Wednesday. They're here on Sunday. They're coming on Tuesdays and Monday. I mean, they're doing everything they can to get the things God has. And then VBI ends. And they walk up here and they shake pastor's hand in their cap and gown. They turn their thing over and, yeah, I graduated. And then it's like all of a sudden some of them just never open up a Bible again. It's like for some reason that diploma that pastor's hand, I mean, it's just a piece of paper. You know, it doesn't really, you know, that's not the thing that's going to get you through the next 25 years of your life. It's the word of God that got you to where you were. It's not the diploma that keeps you in that same place. And then all of a sudden, they're not here every night, and they don't come to church on Sundays, and then on Wednesdays, and then they're at the top of the world, and now they're like, oh, yeah, I know the truth. See, then it's even more miserable, right, when you know the truth and you're not doing it. It's better when you didn't know the truth. Just let me be a sinner. That's a lot of fun because I got nobody telling me I'm wrong. It's when you, when you find out that you are. Anyway, what are your priorities? Maybe that's just me. But pri- the word priority, see, what is your priority in your life? What are you after? What are you giving your money to? What are you giving your time to? What are you giving your mind to? What are you giving your efforts and your energy and your... Where are you going? Priority means it's on your list there, I think. It says giving precedence in time, order, or importance. What are you giving precedence in your life? And I'm not, you know, I mean, the, the, the relationship that you have with God truly is your first priority. That relationship supersedes all the ones that we have here in this earth, but then after that relationship, that becomes your family. If you're married, that's your spouse, and then your children, and, and you know, those people that are in your home, and then your whatever after that, you want to say your job, your calling, or whatever that part of it might be, the things that God has for you, follow in that order. What happens is everybody gets that order all kind of crazy, and all kind of mixed up, and we can't figure out why our wheels are spinning, we can't figure out why, you know, I'm, I keep facing this same mountain, we can't figure out why we're screaming at God because things aren't going right. And we'll kind of go through a few of those things as we talk tonight. But you are allowing yourself to be driven by situations, by circumstance, by things that maybe aren't God's will for your life. They may be good things, but they're not necessarily God things for you. And you you can allow yourself to be driven or you can drive. And now if you're a guy, you want to drive. I mean, that's uh, right. That's the idea. It's like you can't, you're not a good passenger, right? I mean, I don't. I, can't, I can drive all night long and drive, 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 and this is my time to give it up. I, I can't sleep either because then I'm still saying, hey, hey, you know, and she's not even doing anything. She's just going down the road. So finally, I think she slips me a couple whatever, town hall PM, and I'm out. But you, <laughs> I'm not a good passenger. But we all, we all should, we all should, Really, in our, in our lives spiritually, right, that's who we are. We've talked about that for a few weeks. We're, we're spirit man. We, we should really have the desire to follow after God and not allow all of these things in our life dictate where we're going to go. All of a sudden, this becomes a priority. Well, why? Did God say? Did God open that door? Did God open this door? Well, I kind of like that one. Well, it doesn't matter. He didn't say what, he, what you like. He said, this is my will. And so all of a sudden you start thinking, well, you know, I don't I'm going to leave the kids out. You know, I, I want them to have all the things that they have. Okay, so we're going to go and we're going to be gone on Sundays now because we've joined this particular league and they play on Sundays. Okay, 
I understand, but did God say to do that? Or, is, you know, where is your priority? Is your priority your first love and that relationship with him? Because if you don't do that in your life, pieces will start to flake away, and you won't, you won't be able to figure out what's, you just, you kind of not, something's not right. Fear begins to enter in. You know, it, it just all of these different things that happen in your life. If you look in John, this is, this is a, great, a great story because these are the kind of things that happen. And this happens to us, and I'm not going to say that, you know, don't go to somebody's funeral and don't go rescue them, don't do what, you know, I mean, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. What this is showing here in John is this idea that, you know what, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus didn't allow the situations and circumstances that were presented him dictate what he said, where he went, or where he, what he was going to do. It was the Spirit of God that did those things in his life. In this particular passage in, in John chapter 11, it's talking about really is the story of Lazarus and the Lazarus come forth. We remember that part. But what we don't remember is the stuff that happened from the time Jesus found out that Lazarus was dead and that particular time. Because there's a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. And if you read here, it says in the first verse, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus, from the t- he was uh, of Bethany, the town of Mary and, and his sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters went to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you have loved is sick. And Jesus heard that, and he said to them, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then he went his way. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now that's not saying stay where you are if somebody calls and says, I'm sick. This is Jesus. He was led by the Spirit of God in all things that he did. And at this particular time, he did not go to where Lazarus was. Lazarus was sick. Then they come to him and finally say he's dead. And he tries to tell him, No, he's just sleeping. And the disciples get all confused. But the idea is the fact that he didn't right away just bolt off. He stayed where he was, it said, for two days before he went. It goes on and it says, Then after this he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. And then they go back and they start talking back and forth. And that's when they come finally and say that Lazarus is dead. He, did, he didn't let the situation dictate what he was going to do. In our lives, we have to be the same. We have to have the same resolve not to let the situations that you face dictate what you do. They may call for a response. They may call for an action on your part, but allow the Holy Spirit, right? We just spent three weeks talking about the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and showing us those things. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because it may be a moment in time where you do need to wait. It may be a moment in time when you do need to move. But if your priority is following the word and the will of God, you'll know what that is. And then you'll have peace to do it. If, if you don't know, how many of you have been in that place, you're like, you don't know, and all of a sudden you, you get like freaked out, you're not sure. There's no peace there. You know, we've talked about peace, we've talked about reasoning and all those different things, but we, we have to be careful. He was moved by the Spirit. And here's the deal, if you are moved by the Spirit and not by your situation, there will be reward at the end of that journey. In Hebrews 11.6, it says that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If he becomes your first priority, we talked about it in Matthew and some of those other places. It's actually in Luke as well, I think, somewhere there in your notes if you go back to it. But it says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you will follow him that way, like we've been talking about for three weeks, now if we'll put that to practice in our life and let that be our priority, 
Not the things that look like need to be a priority, not the stuff that's happening over here, not the stuff that's trying to take your attention this way or that way, but the stuff that you know in your heart is the priority. Pastor Bill has shared with me this quite a bit over the last few months and and years as I've started doing the things that I do here in the church, and Corey and I have talked a little bit about it because Pastor Bill said the last time I met with him, it's real simple. I just write down the three things that I need to do today, and I prioritize them, and I do those three things. I said, that's awesome, but you give me 10 things to do. <laughs> Which three do I, <laughs> what seven don't I do? You know, that's, that's what Corey and I like. That's great, but we got like 12 things that you tell me to do. So they're all 12 or like three, I don't know. But that's a, real, that's a simple way to look at your life. What are the three things that God is speaking to you to do maybe today? What are the five things that God is speaking? Now, Bill, Pastor Bill can do that because he wakes up in the morning and he says, God, what are the three things I need to do today? What is your priority for my life today? What are those things that I have to get done? What are those things that you would like me to do? Who are those people that you would like me to talk to or to call or to share with? Now, we call Pastor Bill and say so-and-so's in the hospital or this is happening or that's happening, and he, you know, he goes and does those kind of things as he feels led. But, but he has that mentality of the will of God being his first priority. Not me, not Pastor Pam, not Corey calling or anybody else. He, oh, no, what now? <laughs> He listens to the Spirit of God on the inside of him. What would you say? When you said he listens to the Spirit of God, Oh, <laughs> she is second. She's second in order. Yeah, that's, that's true. But see, here's the thing that happens to each one of us. I ask you what are your priorities. Now think about your life. What is the first thing that you think about when you wake up? What is the, what is the thing that you're thinking about now? See, because distractions come. Distractions happen in all of our lives. Things pop up that we didn't expect. Things pop up that, you know, we didn't see coming down the road. Stuff happens in our life. Distractions come and distractions go. Even in the midst of his presence and as you're walking with him, things pop up in your way. If you look at Luke in chapter 10, even in his presence with Mary and Martha, Pastor Bill shared this plenty of times. Now, I'm a, I'm a little bit of the rester. I'm not the person that's going to do the work. My wife would say amen, I'm sure. When you read this, I am not the one that's, that's right. I'm not in distress. I am not the one running around cleaning the house. I'm hanging out at the party. So I don't have a problem apparently with this, but I'll share it for all of you. But it says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted with much serving. And she approached the Lord and she said, You do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. For all of you busy bee worker people, relax, it's okay. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which should not or cannot or will not be taken away from her. And here's the situation. You know, Jesus is there in the house, and a distraction comes up because the dishes have to be washed. The meal has to be cooked. Things have to be taken care of. And, you know, Pastor Bill shares the story of Billy Joe, and he trimmed the bushes down to nubs when, when, when Oral Roberts came to his house. And Pastor Pam used to terrorize us, you know, all the time as little kids, saying, what if Billy Joe comes over? What if Billy Joe comes over and sees your room? Well, then he's got to get a better life, because if he's coming to my house to look at my room, obviously there's not enough going on in that church that he's got to, like, be checking out my room. 
I didn't understand that, but we cleaned it anyway because that's the way we had to do it. It was always, you know. Was... So, I mean, he wouldn't even get to my room because my Uncle Gene was sitting in the pickup truck in work boots, no shirt, smoking a cigar, reading a newspaper in the driveway. So he wouldn't even be caring about my room. He'd have just drove by our house. He wouldn't even have stopped. We'd have been looking for a new school, and they'd have been looking for a new job, and it would have been all, we'd have been moving on. But, see, you cannot let those things distract you. She chose, it said, to sit at Jesus' feet. Now, don't, don't make this a reason to call your job and say, you know what, I can't come in today. I'm going to be sitting here in, the, in, the, in my ottoman, and I'm going to be seeking the Lord today. He didn't say shuck all your responsibilities. He said, hey, in this moment, in this particular time, I happen to be sitting here in this place, and she chose me over the work. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you should, too. And it's about that presence, see, it's about that priority of Jesus. What's more important, sitting there at Jesus' feet and getting that input or, or serving and doing all those other things? Well, those things are all good things, but at that particular moment, that, the priority was Jesus. He was there in the house. And in your life, it says that you could be distracted, having one's mind or attention drawn away from, an, uh, from your direction or drawn into another direction is what distraction means. That you're having your mind or your attention drawn away in another direction. How many of you have been serving God? You're probably, I mean, that happens all the time in church, right? You're going like this and worshiping God. Then you sit down and you start thinking, what do I need to get at the grocery store? Let's see, I need to get bread, I need to get milk. <laughs> Guys are going, oh, so I've got to cut the yard. And then I wish Pastor Bill would hurry up because uh, <laughs> not getting any younger. And then we're kind of going along, you know, and, and your mind begins to wander, right? It just be all of a sudden, see, it's, it's just, this distraction's popped up in, in the most holy of places. We're off in like someplace else. Pastor Pam says, do you know somebody that needs this word? And you go, oh, yeah, I know my friend Sally. She needs this word. You know, she's a jerk, man. She's been really bad to me. She hasn't been nice. Then I go, I'm going to tell her this. Then I'm going to tell her that. And that's, man, that's all I'm going to say. And then, and all of a sudden, Pastor Pam's looking at you. You're going like. <laughs> and you've just become distracted and out of the presence of God. And then the ushers are checking you out. They're kind of keeping their eye on you, too, because they're not sure what you're going to, what's going to happen. Don't allow distractions to get you. I mean, I, I have to really focus. I, like, I don't bring stuff in here. I don't bring markers. I don't bring stuff. I bring my Bible and my notes. Because if I, if I don't have just like bare minimum stuff, I play with a wrapper. I mean, I'm like, yeah, cool, man. I'm like, like a little duck out of a gum wrapper. I'll do all kinds of stuff. And so I like leave all that away because I don't want to be distracted. When, when the pastors are sharing, I want to listen and hear what's going on. So, I mean, I got my own, you know, I'm easily distracted. I like shiny stuff. <laughs> Now, here's the deal, and you know this, you know this distraction. Okay, what happens to distracted people? Hey, we think it's funny, you know, and that is funny, you know, making ducks and stuff out of paper. But what if you're driving down the road and you're texting? How many of you have been, oh, don't be lying, you all do it too. You drive down the road and you're, you're just going like this, and all of a sudden you look up and you are three rows down the wrong lane and there's a tree in the middle of your path. <laughs> and you get all straight with yourself real quick. Woo! <sighs> And you go right back to texting. Right? I mean, that's dangerous. My cousin yells at me all the time. You got to stop texting while you're driving. Whatever, cuz. I ain't got no problem. See, distracted drivers, they get in wrecks. Distracted believers many times live wrecked lives. Their lives are a mess. And, I mean, you might be able to get yourself back on track. Your heart's beating a little more. But then as soon as you get back on track and you get comfortable again, right, what do you do? You reach over and get the phone and start going back at it. Maybe that's just me. 
Distracted believers have distracted lives. They're they're all over the place, and their lives become wrecked. And and that is not a place, if your priorities are right, that's not a place where you'll find yourself. What happens is your priorities get out of whack. Now, God has different, I mean, I'm not saying we're all going to be, you know, you're not all like pastors, and you're not all like, you know, in church, you know, and and all that. But, But you are all called to make disciples. You all, you all do have a spiritual life that God has given you and, and a priority for you to walk in. And it may coincide with the fact that, you know, you're a teacher or you read meters or whatever, I mean, whatever that is that you do, there's, there's a side of it there that is, that is a spiritual priority in your life to follow after the will of God. Just because he says you're going to be, you know, something in the, in the natural that doesn't seem to be spiritual, that doesn't mean you're off the hook spiritually in your life. Because I was a teacher for 13 years, that didn't mean I was off the hook spiritually. I didn't wait to do the spiritual things in my life that God called me to. I didn't, put, I didn't wait to put that as a priority in my life until after I quit teaching. I decided I better start doing it while I'm teaching. And if you begin to live it in your life, he'll begin to bless you in your life that way too. But you can't be distracted. You end up driving off the side of the road. You end up in trouble. If you look in 1 Peter, it says, and Pastor Bill shared this scripture forever, right? 1 Peter chapter 5. It says that if we humble ourselves, we humble ourselves and we cast our cares. It doesn't just say cast your cares. It's important that you get the humble yourself part. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. But if you read the message, it says, so be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. And then the next verse says, as you go on to verse 7, I think, Maybe. This is seamless. It's working perfect. On tape. There it is. Live carefree before God. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Cast your cares. Get rid of those things. Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the stuff. It says live carefree. And we get mad at people who are like this. You heard me say that last week with Elizabeth. You know, she always said, you know, oh, it's okay. God's going to take care of it. You know, and I said, well, I don't worry about it. Who will? You know, I mean, we talked about that last week. Do you live carefree before the Lord? Hey, I don't have any distractions. My first priority is seeking after him. If he says go right, I'll go right. If he says go left, I go left. If he says stop, we stop. Yeah, that's a great place to be. That's a wonderful place to be, to have your priority in order, to have all your priorities in order. That releases all the stress and all the junk and all the cares. You're not carrying this heavy load. You're not carrying all these weights. You're not carrying all this stuff. What happens is we get into a hard place in our life. We've been doing pretty good. A distraction comes up. We see this great big mountain. We don't cast the care. We begin to take it on in our life. It begins to bog us down, and then we begin to quit. Well, there's no quitting. Amen. There's no quitting. Right. I've been, I don't, don't, I chase girls around the golf course. I tell them all the time, you ain't quitting. Get your, put your bag back on your shoulders. I quit. No, you don't. I don't got enough kids. Get on the course. I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter. I lost all my golf balls. I'll get you more. You're not quitting. I mean, we've come this far. Don't quit. And spiritually in our lives, thank goodness we have pastors that are the same way. They'll let us know that we can't quit. There's too much panic. The priorities get out of whack. The distractions pop up. And all of a sudden, the body of Christ doesn't rely on the spirit, we panic. And there's no power in panic. Have you ever seen panic? I mean, it's like, it's crazy, man. Things are all over the place. You know, you're like throwing shoes at people. I mean, you're doing all kinds of stuff. You're panicked. You're freaking out. You're doing all kinds. There's no power there. There's no power in panic. 
But if you become distracted, you're going to open up the door to all those different things that happen in your life. If you look in Exodus in chapter 14, and it starts in verse, well, 1, basically, and it goes all the way through the end of that chapter. But if you, if you look around verse 10 or so, really, it's the story of the children of God being called out. And they're on their way. And they're all excited, and, you know, they're... they're, they're you know, they're out of Pharaoh's clutches. They're kind of they're moving out to their thing. And they're, they're, how many of you have been real excited? Things are great all of a sudden now, man. You leave Egypt and everything. Boy, you're like, you don't realize that you're on a trek in the desert. And all the good stuff you just walked out of, and now you're following after this guy who's following, you know, the cloud and the pillar of fire and all those kind of things. So, you, I mean, you're, but you're going. Because, man, set my people free, and we're all out, and we're all walking. But the children of Israel were fickle, fickle folks just like many times the believers are, are fickle folks. And when we, we, they come up against a hard time, and what did they do just about every time? They turned on Moses. Man, they got hot. I mean, it was like, boy, they turned around and they let them have it. And Moses, then what does he do? I mean, he just heard from God, so he tells everybody what to do. Then they get mad at him, and they tell him why it won't work, and so he tells God why it won't work, and then God tells him to shut up, and then he goes and tells the people to shut up. And then eventually somebody gets it right. And you say, well, at least that's not me. No, we just don't have Moses. We do all that in our head. We're, we're doing all those things in our head. We don't necessarily come to the pastors because <laughs> we've done that one too many times. So we've decided to take our crazy home and just stay there, you know. If we can, <laughs> everybody smiles like this. Oh, church is awesome. And then they go home and just get crazy. And, and then they never go anywhere. And just because you don't let crazy out of the house doesn't mean it's not affecting you. Think about that. I mean, just because you only act crazy at home, that, you know, that's, that's not good enough. So these, I mean, these people, were, they, were, they, they weren't happy. Now, all of a sudden, they got, the, you know, they got the water in front, and Pharaoh's coming in back, and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And, and God begins to speak to Moses, and it says in verse 11, And they said, the people said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why? And this is, I mean, this is what they do. And you've done this, too, with God. You may not have said this with Pastor Pam, although you might have. There might be a few of you that came out of her. Well, I don't think anybody came after her, but that's just the way you might have. It says, Is this not the word that we were told by you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve, or that we said to you in Egypt, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than we should have just died in the wilderness. And believers, they, we cry that. We don't say those words, but we cry that sometimes. It was better before I was saved. You know, we, we say these kind of things. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which will accomplish for you today. I missed something. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. So now all of a sudden they've come and they've pleaded their case and told him how crazy he was for taking them out of Egypt. And he told them the truth. And how many times do we get into our own thing, a distraction comes, our priorities are all whacked out, and all we worry about is ourselves, and we start freaking out, it's not going right, and then we come to God and tell Him, and then He just speaks calmly, this is what the truth is. And now that becomes the priority in our life. He's trying to tell them what the truth is in their life. Now, He says, look to the Lord. That's what He says in verse 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Be quiet. Or hold your peace, that peace that passes all understanding in your heart, that thing that says, it's going to be okay. How many times have you been a little agitated and crazy got out of the house and drove to church and you got in front of Pastor Pam and she 
did that, put your hands around you, it's going to be okay. And you go like this. <laughs> and tears. Tears. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. How many of you have done that? Just me. See, that's what happened. He said it's going to be okay. And there's, see, there's comfort in that. But you don't have to come hug Pastor Pam. You don't have to find Pastor Bill. There's that same comfort in the spirit if you'll allow him. See, take these things that we talked about for three weeks and begin to apply them in your life, and you begin to get your priorities right, and those things begin to happen on the inside of you. It goes on, and it says in the next verse, 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to what? Go forward. I thought that was awesome because that matched my dove bar. So God's really speaking to me today, even in the chocolate that I ate out of the fridge. Keep looking forward. New adventures lie ahead. That's from Becky in Valdosta, Georgia. So she wrote that, sent that in. But he also, God told Moses. Is this a little manic? Okay, sorry. A little shout out to Becky. Right, she may get this online. Hi, Becky. Good to have you here. Glad you're with us. But what did that do in their life? In that life, see, it brought them back. All of a sudden, all of those things brought them back to that central purpose. It took all of this stuff that's going on around them. It took all the things and all the stuff, and it brought them all back. So this was the thing. This is what God said. This is where we're going. And see, now all of a sudden the priorities are okay again. Throw the arms up. The water comes back. You can read the rest of the chapter at home. They walk through. It says on dry ground they walk through. And now that they've gone through, then all of a sudden, you know, the chariots, they get all mixed up. They're confused. They can't see each other. Then their wheels fall off, and then they're all messed up, and they end up in the water, and everything's bad news for them. God did what he said. But in in their moment of upset, in their moment of distraction and crazy, that wasn't happening. But once they all got brought back together and got back in that spot, right? Now all of a sudden their priorities are back in order. They know what the will of the Lord is, and now they go forward. You can't quit. Your help is going to come from the Lord, right? In Psalms 121, it says, Where cometh my help? From the Lord. I think many times I look to Corey, I look to you, I look to somebody else. I'm looking for all these other places and people to be my help. And that's, you know, we all work together and we help one another and we're called to do all that. But the help, the thing on the inside that says it's okay, the thing on the inside that says this is where you're going, this is the direction, I am with you. See, that's the spirit and nobody can do that or be that in your life. Only God can do that. See, your first priority is Him because it puts you in that place, that place of security, that place that says, yes, God is with me. And although this all doesn't look right, and it's not what I had planned, and these distractions are coming to me from left and right, I'm back in this spot. I know He's going to hold His arms up, and the sea's going to part, and I'm going to walk through. Because we all face those Red Sea experiences in our life. But you can't allow yourself to be distracted when you're in those places. You have to focus It's focus, focus, focus. Focus on Jesus. He is the answer and He is the way. He's he's the truth. The Word of God is the thing that sets you free. The the things that the Spirit of God speaks to in your heart are the things that lead you in the right direction. His will is being unfolded in your life. If you keep your priorities correct in your life, things are going to be fantastic. If you get your priorities all out of whack, it's not going to be. I mean, you may make it today, but it's it's just a matter of time before it all falls apart. You can't neglect your car for 10 years and then get mad when the tires fall off. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it has to be a part of what you do. It has to be a process. You have to take care of it. Yeah. And if you do those kind of things, 
your car will like you back. I mean, it'll treat you well. But if not, you're in trouble. In Hebrews, it says right in verse 12, you're supposed to run the race. You're supposed to focus on Jesus. It says, set aside all the weights, all the things, all the junk, all the sin that snares you, everything that's holding you back. And it says then, as you go on to number number 2, verse 2, it says that you're going to lay aside all those weights in verse 1. Verse 2 goes on, though, and says, sorry, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It doesn't say look to the left, look to the right. It says look unto Jesus. You don't see people who are running the race, right? You've heard the story. Nobody's looking to their left. Nobody's looking to the right. Nobody's looking behind them at the past. Everybody's looking where? Dead ahead where I'm supposed to go. What's your priority? That line out there, that thing that I'm going after. You can't be like, you know, just looking around. They put blinders on horses, right, so that they keep their eyes focused where? Straight ahead because their eyes are weird. They look out the side of their head like this. And if you had to do that, they'd freak you out. But, you know, they dial them in like this. And they keep them going that direction. Nobody's looking back at the past. Nobody's looking to the left. Nobody's looking to the right. I'm not looking to see where Michelle is in her. I'm not looking to see where she is in her or his. I'm looking right here. I know what God's speaking to me and what he's telling me. And I'm going after that. I'm going after that. My priorities are right. Distractions come. They pop up. Things happen. And I keep going. God, raise your hands. Get the mountain out. I cast the mountain out into the sea. I'm speaking to those things. All that stuff that the Word of God says, all the things that pastors have showed us and taught us, all the things that the Spirit of God is leading me in and guiding me in and teaching, all that stuff is where I'm going. See, like this. And what happens is in, in, in people's lives, they stop doing all of that. Somewhere along the way, we just don't, do it anymore we're not disciplined we're not really determined all of a sudden we fall prey to something and then yeah marie's shaking her head she knows you know people right i mean that's we just know people that are like that and so but but you but that happens see if you lose focus the focus is a good thing i've got my little binoculars here that i found and uh brandon called me yesterday and he wanted to know the name of the gym across the street and I, my, I, can't, I can't even tell you what those signs say on the chairs right in front of me. I, I don't necessarily, you know, I've got to squint a lot. And, uh, so, and I went to get my binoculars, and they all fell apart. And pieces of them came out, because I got this great idea. I can just stand here, and I could see across the street. So I, I put them up to my head, and they fell apart. I didn't know what to do, and this one didn't work. And I, so I just took a, one of them, and I squinted really hard. And I looked, and I dialed in the wrong door. So then I backed up and looked again, found out where I was going, and I dialed her in. But you know what? If I focused everything, if I focused the bottom one, if I focused the top one, if I stayed staring where I was going and I focused until everything came real clear, I could read it. I was excited. I mean, I texted him right away. Oh, this is the name, man. You're not going to believe it. I'm standing here in the, you know, I look, I'm sure somebody walking by thought, got a peeping Tom at the church. He's over there looking, <laughs> doing something stupid. Not on purpose. If you get a call, it was me. It was all right. I was just, I tried to find it. But if you will focus like that, I didn't want to walk across the street. <laughs> I'll be, <laughs> I was lazy. So, I mean, that, that you know, that's the, that's the lazy. That's the, te- that's the thing that makes you creative, right? Because you don't, you know, you reach down with your toes and get the remote control. You know, you do all those kind of things. So I, I started doing this and I started thinking, hey, man, if I would focus like that on Jesus, if I would put that much effort into what the word and what his will is for my life, if, if I would really do that, man, it makes it really clear. It wasn't foggy. It wasn't anything. And you may not have binoculars that do that, but you've got a spirit on the inside of you that will help you do that. And it begins to hone you in to the thing that he has for you to do. 
Because we get out of the boat, and it says in, in, in Matthew, and we can stop here as we go. And, but it says in Matthew chapter 14, it's the story of Peter getting out of the boat. And, and this is, again, distractions and things that have come. And if you don't focus on Jesus, what happens in your life? This is a real simple message. Keep Jesus first place in your life. Keep the Word of God first place. Keep, keep the, what the Holy Spirit speaks to you, the will of God in your life, first place. And if you can give that the effort, if you can give that your attention, give that your focus, the rest of it's kind of simple. If things pop up, I just don't change my focus. I may speak to them. God may tell me to believe something. He may tell me something to do about that. And then I just respond to what He says. And if we can do that in our life, then we can stay out of the boat. But Peter, it says, he got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. And things were great, but he was focused on Jesus. And then, you know, you know the story. All of a sudden, it says the winds blew, and all of a sudden, he saw, it goes on and it says, but when he saw the wind being boisterous, he was afraid, fear. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, Jesus saved him, but what did he say when he saved him? Hey, dude, have some faith, man. Come on, brother, have some faith. Now, these are the people that were closest to him. I mean, these were his disciples. This is, I mean, this is the guy. And he's still to say, come on, man, have some faith. And I think in our lives many times, if we can keep our focus that way, it's the same thing. People in the Bible were constantly, and they were constantly being faced with things that were bigger than them. God was always calling them to do something that they had no, no earthly idea how to do, had no ability to do it. He was always picking the least of the least. I mean, it was always somebody that had to what? Fully rely on God. And if you can do that, that's your priority, right? If you can fully rely on God. If you do that, you'll have victory in your life. If you don't, you're going to be paddled every day. I mean, the enemy's just going to beat you to a pulp. That I means that you watch it. Follow it. In the, you know, I mean, those, those, those people in the, in the Old Testament, man, the children of Israel, they were constantly getting whooped. They were victorious when God led them, and they were whooped when they weren't. I mean, it was, it was, it's obvious. You read through that, it's almost comical. After about the, you know, the fourth or fifth time, you start, just let's go to the end. Let's just see how these people get it at the end. Because it's the same thing back and forth. But it's the same thing for believers today in our lives. You know people that are like that, that their priority wanes. depending on If they're desperate, their priority is really high. If they're not so desperate anymore, that priority kind of goes. But see what happens, they're always like this. Their priorities are all over the place. But you have to focus on Jesus. There's no way around it. You can't enjoy the ride if you focus on Jesus. You can't be weary. You can't get upset. You can't get freaked out. This life is meant to be exciting. It's meant to be an abundant life full of everything that God has for you. But it takes us having our priority right and saying, God, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do whatever he asks me to do whenever he asks me to do it. I'm tired. How many of you are tired? Let's stand up. How many of you are tired of just fighting all the time? You know, I don't mean like at home, hopefully. But sometimes, you know, sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you get your priorities messed up, and all of a sudden you find yourselves at odds with the person that you're, you know, you're married to, you're living with. Your priorities get out of whack, and you find yourself at odds with your children. You know, and it's, it's just maybe you're not, you know, getting at it, you know, verbally or attacking each other or whatever, but on the inside, you just know what? There's just uneasy. There's no peace. Tonight we're going to pray. Because I really believe that if we say, God, I've I, I got to get my priorities straight. Because you face things in your life that you don't even know. Why is it like this? You know, why am I always at odds with my kid? Why is it that I can't seem to get along with my spouse? Why is it that at work I'm always 
fighting everybody else. And I think a lot of the times we say, oh, the devil, man, he's attacking me. Okay, that might be the case. But if it's affecting you like that, you've got some problems. Because the devil attacks us all. And it becomes a priority issue in your life. Do you care more about keeping the peace in your heart and keeping your priority of having Jesus, the Lord, and leader of your life? Or do you care more about being right in a situation? So tonight, let's just close our eyes and let's just pray. It says that if we don't grow weary, God will take care of us in Galatians, you know. Tonight, maybe you say, I was focused. At one time, man, I was on it. I was focused, I started focused, but something has distracted me. And I can see. I can, I can see the, the outcome. As I think about it right now, where I am, I can see how I got distracted and how I took my eyes off of what God said. But tonight I want to change. Who's that? You can just raise your hand and say, that's me. I was, I was focused at one point, now I'm not focused anymore, and I need to make a change. I see your hand. Maybe you say, you know what, I haven't enjoyed this ride at all. I've been fighting the whole time and the whole way. But I want to change. I don't want to be that way again. Is there anybody like that? Say, man, I was just miserable. I'm tired of being miserable. I want to be happy. I want to enjoy what God has for me. And the last one says, you know what? I, I do want to get my affairs in order. I need to get my priorities right. I've got a few things that are out of whack, and I need to fix those things. If that's you tonight, you can just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to get my priorities back in order. I got to get my first love back into a place in my life. And I guess the last thing would be, I need Jesus in my heart. I don't have Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Is there anybody in there? Say, tonight is my night to come back to Jesus. One more time, anybody at all? We want to make sure that everybody in this place is saved. Well, I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. Those of you who have lifted your hands and pulled them up and said, that's me, I need to get my priorities right. Father, I thank you tonight that your spirit is in this place. Father, that you're flowing, not just around some spot, Father, but that river of life is flowing from the throne room of God into our life tonight as we sit before you. Father, and I thank you that you are showing us each day as we purpose to set our priorities in order, you first in our lives, that you're pouring that into our life each moment, Father, of the day, but especially as we go about our morning and as we get up, you begin to show us, direct us, lead us and guide us. Father, that we don't allow distractions into our life to pull us to the left or the right. We stay focused on you. Father, and that we enjoy the ride. I bind that thought that I won't make it, that I'm never going to get there, that it's always going to be this way. In Jesus' name, Father, and in its place, we lose your spirit to minister life, abundant life. Father, peace, happiness, joy. Father, filling our lives in this place tonight. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. 
I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.